So we're starting a new series today called Sent. And in a moment, we're going to be in John chapter 20. But to set up the passage of scripture that we're about to look at, um, there's an interesting thing that happens in Jesus' life and ministry. So Jesus calls 12 specific individuals to come and follow him. We call these the disciples. Now, beyond the 12, there were many more that followed him. But these 12 were privy to some private conversations. They were, they were privy to a conversation like after the sermon where they'd be like, okay, we didn't understand this. And you told this story, what was going on there. And Jesus lets them in on a lot of information when you, when you look at the Gospels. In the Gospel of Mark alone, which if you're following along in the Bible in one year, we actually finish the Gospel of Mark today. And if you're tracking through the Gospel of Mark, you'll find that on three different occasions... Jesus gathers his disciples. I imagine he looks them in the eyes and he says, guys, you need to know something. This is really important. Pretty soon I'm going to be murdered. And three days after, I'm going to be raised from the dead. Now, I just want you to imagine. Imagine a scenario. Imagine you've invited some friends over to your house and you've just gotten done eating some Peking house Chinese because that's the best Chinese in the area. And you've just gotten done eating and, and you've just played a couple rounds of Uno and you won because you're the son of God and so that's how that works. And, so, and then you just kind of in between games, you just say, hey, you know, just imagine that your best friend looks you in the eyes and says, hey, just want you to know, pretty soon I'm going to be murdered but you don't have to worry because I'm going to be raised from the dead. Would you have any questions? Would you just kind of say, wait, wait, wait pi, pi, before we pass you the next egg roll, like, what did, what did you just say? In the Gospel of Mark, three times Jesus lets his disciples in on this information, and each time they either talk over him or they change the subject. It's really interesting to me. I think part of it is they were following Jesus for different reasons than what we see Jesus as today, 2,000 years later. And they didn't want to hear what Jesus had to say about him dying and being raised from the dead. In their minds, they already had a picture of what Jesus was about to do. Jesus was about to ride into Jerusalem and wreak havoc with the Romans and set up his eternal reign in Jerusalem. And all the scum were going to bow at his feet and they were each going to be given a throne. And so when Jesus says, hey, just so you know, I'm going to die. I'm going to be murdered. I'm going to be raised from the dead. They don't have a category for that. So instead of leaning in and asking some questions, they just keep the conversation going. So it happens, right? I mean, most of us in this room, we're aware we just sang songs that talk about this. Jesus is arrested in the cover of night. He's dragged in. They trump up some accusations against him. They instantly sentence him to die. He's pulled away. I mean, this is all super early in the morning the next day. They beat him, like, mercilessly. They have him put a cross on his shoulders and drag it through the streets of Jerusalem up a hill where they lay him down, strap him on this cross, and pound spikes through his wrists and through his ankles, and they hoist him up in the sky naked where he will suffocate. He will, he will endure one of the most uh, insane forms of torture and execution that you could go through. He'll, suffer, he'll, he'll suffocate, he'll, he'll die, he'll be put in a borrowed tomb, and on the third day he will rise again. And so imagine Jesus is now resurrected, and his disciples, this is the evening of his resurrection, 
And his disciples are hiding because they're afraid that they're going to be arrested next. They're going to be falsely sentenced. They're going to be executed. And so because of that, they are freaked out about the Roman occupiers. And so they're hiding. And Jesus decides that he's going to surprise them. So I can see Jesus getting ready to surprise his disciples. They don't know that he's resurrected. He's obviously is resurrected. And so can you see him like outside the room as they're all inside and they're crying and they're full of grief and Jesus outside the wall. Can you imagine like, surprise, I'm alive. You know, can you, like what would you say in that moment? Like what would you, if you were Jesus, like what would you say? I think I would say you knuckleheads, I told you so. Like I told you, I told you three times. Then you were stuffing your face with fried rice, you idiots. This is what happens in John chapter 20, beginning with verse 19. That Sunday evening, the disciples were meeting behind locked doors because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders. Suddenly, surprise, Jesus was standing there among them. He doesn't say, I told you so. He says, peace be with you. As he spoke, he showed them the wounds in his hands and his side. They were filled with joy when they saw the Lord. Verse 21, again he said, peace be with you. And then here's a statement that I want us just to hold on to, not only this morning, but throughout this series. As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. As the Father has sent me, so I am am sending you. Then he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. And if you've been around Journey, you've heard me preach a lot of sermons based on this last part of this passage, that he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Just so you know, if you are a follower of Jesus, you've received the grace of God, he adopted you into his family, and he put the Holy Spirit of God inside of you. If you want to know more about that, there's other sermons. You can go to explorejourney.org slash Holy Spirit, and we have a number of sermons on there about who the Holy Spirit is. But today, I want us to focus on that line, as the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. If you're in this room and you have received the grace of God, you are a follower of Jesus. You've asked him to be the master and Lord of your life. You've recognized Jesus. You are God, and you died on the cross for me, and you are resurrected from the grave, and so forgive me of my sins and empower me to actually actively follow you. You're a follower of Jesus. You are sent. Jesus is sending you into wherever you go. He's sending you into Whirlpool. He's sending you into Fremont Middle School. He's sending you into Prometica Memorial Hospital. He's sending you, hopefully not he's sending you in because you're injured, but for other reasons. Like, he's sending you. You are sent. He's sending you. And why is he sending you? Why is he sending us? Can you imagine the disciples, as, as the Father sent me, so I'm sending you. Sending me to do what? Sending you to declare, to show, to communicate the good news of his death and resurrection. See, Jesus wants everyone to know that he came to set them free from sin, guilt, shame, addictions, and fears. In fact, Mark, who is probably writing as Peter's scribe, describes a moment right before Jesus ascends to the Father. So this would be 40 days after this account that we looked at. In Mark chapter 16, verse 15, some of Jesus' last words is this. And then Jesus told them, go into all the world and preach the good news to everyone. Or preach the gospel to everyone. 
Jesus looks at this handful of guys. Maybe, maybe there would be as many as a hundred and some on this mountaintop right before Jesus ascends to the Father. Maybe it's not just the twelve, maybe it's even the followers beyond the twelve. But even with that, you're only talking probably about the number of people that are in this room this morning. And Jesus, who died for the redemption of all of humanity, looks at these few people and he says, as the Father has sent me, I'm sending you. Go into all the world. Go, go, not just in this location, but let it spread. Let this message be exp- exponential. Go and preach this news, this good news, this gospel to everybody. I love a number of years later, the Apostle Paul would write in Romans chapter 1, verse 16. He'd say, for I am not ashamed of this good news. Or in most of your translations, I am not ashamed of the gospel about Christ It is the power of God at work saving everyone who believes. Jesus is sending us as his followers and he's sending us with something called the gospel, the good news. This word for gospel or good news is the word evangelion in Greek. And it it literally means, the literal translation is good news. It wasn't a religious word in the original Greek. It's the kind of word that you would use, evangelion, we're having a baby, Evangelion, we're getting married. Evangelion, I'm retiring. Right? It was just, it was just, or just any kind of extraordinary good news that you wanted to share. Evangelion. And Jesus says, This is the greatest Evangelion. This is the greatest good news. And he's calling us to communicate this good news. I often think of how, I mean, God is God, right? Why didn't God just set up a loudspeaker? Why doesn't he just decide, you know, Every couple, couple times a year just to set up a cosmic loudspeaker that everybody could hear throughout the whole earth and just communicate this gospel. That'd be so much easier, wouldn't it? But that's not how God operates. God chooses for whatever reason, but it's throughout scripture, he chooses to communicate his message. He chooses to do his bidding, to do his will through people, through you. Through me. You say, Ken, maybe he wants to do that through you, but he doesn't want to do that through me. I'm telling you, one of the threads throughout scripture is that God takes the most messed up individuals and uses them to communicate his message. Were you here last week for Pastor Matt? Right? Jacob and Esau and Isaac and Rebecca who put the fun in dysfunction. Right? The whatever message i mean that last week was proof god god will take he will take the most messed up people and he will use them for his purposes look in the new testament look at the people that god chooses to follow him he chooses to communicate this message listen i want you to know, if you don't get anything else i want you to know if you're a follower of jesus jesus is sending you when you look around you and you go, why do I work in the place I work? Why am I married to the person I'm married to? How did I end up with these screwed up kids or grandkids? Why do I live here? Why do I live here when I can live somewhere where it's warm this morning? I don't know. Like why? Like, but Jesus has you right where you are for a reason. As the Father has sent him, he is sending you. And he's sending you with the gospel, with the good news. It's the best news. So well, why do we need the gospel? Because our sin is more devastating than we realize. 
That every person in this room, every person on this planet has a sin problem. And here, here's the thing. Most of us don't realize that we have a sin problem unless we hit rock bottom. There's some of you in this room that you don't need a preacher to convince you of your sin problem because it is ever before you. You hit rock bottom. You understand what it is. Ironically, the ones who have the hardest time understanding the gospel are the people who think that they've been good their entire lives. I'm a good person. I've done good things. I've done more good things than I've done bad things. Why would I need to be rescued? Why would Jesus need to die for me? Pastor, that's offensive. I've been a good person. Kierkegaard defines sin as building your identity, your self-worth, and your happiness on anything other than God. So actually, my good deeds can be idolatry if I'm building my identity upon the good things that I do for other people. I'm thinking that I can be the author of my salvation. In fact, it sounds counterintuitive, but sometimes I need to repent of the good things that I've done if I did those good things with the motivation of showing how good I am. Does any of that make sense? If you have received, understood, and responded to the good news, you are now a follower of Jesus, and as a follower of Jesus, God has sent you. I love what Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5.20. He says, so we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We talked about this a couple weeks ago, but the truth of the matter is he has called you as an ambassador, as a representative of his kingdom. We are living in a place that is not, it's not our, this isn't our final destination. This isn't our home. This place that we live in is not the end all be all. We are ambassadors. We are residents of a heavenly kingdom. So we are Christ's ambassadors, and God is making his appeal through us, and we speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. So here's a really important question. If you're a follower of Jesus, and you are sent, which you are, if you're a follower of Jesus, you are sent, and if you're sent with the gospel, with the good news, here's the question. Do you know how to communicate this good news to others? Do you know how to clearly communicate this good news to others? If tomorrow during your lunch break a friend asked you how to become a Christian, do you know what you would say or would you just kind of mumble through it and, 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 and awkwardly you know, say a few things and then text me or another person and say, hey, I need help here? What would you say? Peter, Peter said this in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15. He says, if someone asks about your hope as a believer, here it is, always be ready to explain it. We, we should live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse us of doing wrong, they'll see our good deeds and they'll glorify our Father in heaven. They will see a difference about our lives. And we, there should be opportunities in our lives where we are able to communicate the gospel to others. And Peter says... When that happens, you should be ready to explain. And so what I want to do with the rest of our time together is just to give a very simple outline for sharing our faith with others. I think it's important for every follower of Jesus. This is one of the most important things for you to know. More, more important than who's doing what on Facebook. More important than who got kicked out of Survivor this past week. You, this is something you really need to know. You need to know it for yourself 
And you need to be able to know it because I believe we're, we're, we're entering a time where I believe there's going to be more and more opportunities for sharing the gospel with others. I'm so hopeful. I'm so hopeful that in the midst of the darkness and the depravity of our culture and our society, that people, in fact, I'm going to share next week or the following week some stats that just came from Barna about the receptivity of people to the gospel right now. It's crazy. And it's actually showing up statistically in surveys. People are more open to the gospel today than they were before COVID. And we need to be ready to be able to communicate the gospel message. And so here, here's a great way, um, and, and if you don't have a smartphone, excuse me, but most of us in this room do, on your smartphone, I'd love for you to go to your app store, and if you can't do it today, we'll probably crash our internet, but in your app store, I want you to search for share your faith. Like if you have a smart, just go ahead and try it, and if you can't, like do a memo or do a reminder to, for you to do this like in two hours. Share your faith. This is a free app, and I want you to spend some time on this app this week. In fact, I would love, and I challenge you, and I dare you to spend more time on this app today than on your social, or today or this week, than you do on your social media app. So you go in to share your faith, and once you go in there, you're going to have to go past some, you're going to have to go past some screens, but when you finally get there, are you, is everybody with me? I mean, don't be, if you're doing share your faith, do that, but don't be on Facebook or something else right now, like, like, oh, we're getting out our phones, wait, I got five notifications, I'm going to do those instead. So go to, your, go to your app store, share your faith, go ahead and download that, and once you get into it, it's going to give you kind of like a tutorial real quick of the site, but once you get into it, what it's going to do is, yep, there it is, share your faith, that's the same icon you should be looking for. Andrew, you are so on top of it. Can we just say thank you to Andrew back there? He and Riley, you know, rotate every other week, and Riley's not in here for us to applaud him, but um, maybe he is. I don't know. Um, so share your faith. Let's go to the next screen, Andrew. So that you, eventually, when you get in, you'll see some tutorials, but most of the time when you come into this uh, app, this is what you'll see. You'll go to start, and then the next screen is going to start you out in showing you how to share your faith. And, and here's the deal. You don't, when someone says, how do you become a Christian, you don't have to say, wait, let me get my phone out. And go to share your faith. Now, if you, if you hesitate, and, and it's, you can just keep this on your phone, and you could use it. But what I would love for you to do is to be able to know this so well that you could draw this out on a napkin or on a legal pad. Or if there's a whiteboard around, you could draw it out on there. This is such an easy way of communicating, such a simple way of communicating the gospel, which is the good news, okay? So, th so if we're communicating the gospel, we begin with us and God. So I would write us on one side of my paper. I would write God on the other side of my paper. And the key word here is the word relationship. And if you're communicating this, you just simply, originally, at the very beginning, God created humanity to have a perfect relationship with him. Now there's more. In fact, if you, if you would go, to, and Andrew, I don't have this set up, so don't do this. But if you would click on the arrow by relationship, it'll expand and it'll give you a whole paragraph there. And you could, you could work on memorizing that paragraph. If you want to know all the Bible verses that support this, you could click on Bible and it'll show you that. And I think there's, yeah, if you do the volume button that is crossed out right now with the red line, you can even listen to the explanation of this. It's really, really cool app. So we begin, the gospel story begins with us and God, that God created us to have relationship with him. If you go to the next screen, so then you would, you would do your finger over, what do you call it, swipe? Swipe. 
I'm so, I'm so old, okay? I know, all the kids in this room are like, you are an idiot. Okay, the next key word is separation. And separation is that there is a problem. And the problem is sin entered the picture. And not just the sin of Adam and Eve, but our sin. And sin is a big deal. And when I explain sin, I try to explain it this way. Sin isn't just the bad things that I'm not, that I'm not supposed to do. Sin is the good things that I don't do. Because sometimes people, they think of sin as murder, adultery, you know, the, these types of things. And so what I try to help them to understand is, yes, sin is those things. But sin is when I'm called to be generous and instead I'm greedy. Sin is when I get jealous of another person. Sin is selfishness. Sin, is, sin isn't just sin. We've all sinned, right? And what sin does is it separates us from God. Separation. The next key word, if you swipe again you'll see good works. And for most of humanity, what we have attempted to do to try to get across this canyon is we try to, we try to bridge the canyon through our good works by doing more good things than we do bad things. But this canyon isn't, you know, really this picture doesn't do it justice. It's like if any of you have ever been to the Grand Canyon, this is a, this is a chasm that is just too, it's too great to be bridged on your own. You cannot do enough good things in your life to bridge this canyon in and of yourself. Good works. If you swipe again, you'll see fall short. All of my good works, while they're good, while they're beneficial, while they may help society, they fall short when it comes to bridging and, and, and recreating that relationship between us and God. Fall short. If you swipe again, you'll see the result is death. And this is eternal death. This is eternal separation from God in hell. This is alone, separated, pain, forever, lost. This is eternally not knowing God, which is what hell is, right? Eternal separation from God. If you swipe again, we finally get to the good news, the gospel, the evangelion, and that is the bridge. And the bridge is a cross. And you begin to just describe who Jesus was and what Jesus did for us. And maybe the person you're talking to already has a knowledge of Jesus. Increasingly, I'm talking to people who don't know anything about Jesus. Right here in our community, I talk to people who don't know anything about Jesus. And so you may have to take a few minutes and explain who Jesus was. Jesus is the son of God. Jesus came to this earth. He was an incredible teacher, yes. He performed miracles. He healed the sick. But ultimately, his reason for coming was to die on a cross where he would put upon himself the curse of my sin. And he would put upon himself the punishment of my sin. He becomes the bridge. If you swipe again, you see the next key word is paid. I kind of got ahead of myself, I guess. That my, my, my death penalty is canceled out, that he has paid the punishment of my sins. If you swipe again, you see the word receive. That salvation is very simple. Salvation is not having to go through a number of classes. Salvation is not becoming a member of a church. Salvation is not good works. Ephesians chapter 2, that we can't boast. If, if it was good works, we would boast, and we would think that we're all that. It's not of good works. Lest any man boast, it is through grace by faith, right? And so all we have to do is receive this grace. All we have to do is say, Jesus, have mercy on me. Forgive me of my sins. Be the master and leader of my life. We have to receive. If you swipe again, 
you see this question of does this make sense to you? And you would say, yes or no. And if you say no, then, well, maybe I need to do a better job of communicating it. Maybe there's someone, I could, someone who can help me in communicating this. Maybe they have questions, legitimate questions, and you can work with them to try to help to understand those questions. Is there another one, Andrew, or is that the end of this one? That's it? Um, now, and I think I, I did this earlier, if, if you would swipe again, what you would find is that there's a place of where are you on this line, and they put a stick man at several different places, and when you click on that, it would show like different, different responses. So some might say, well, I've already received the grace of God. Well, that's awesome. Praise God. Some would say, I'm right there, like, and you could say, well, what's stopping you? Could I pray with you right now? Some would say, I'm still way over here, and I still have a hundred questions. Well, let's, let's work through those questions together. Here, here's the deal. Again, the issue is, I, I, I don't want you to have to whip out an app to do this, but if that's, if that's what it takes, you're sharing the gospel. What would be great is if we can learn the gospel, and you don't have to, I mean, we get nervous about these things, don't we? Just start practicing. Practice with other followers of Jesus. Some of you are in your life groups. This would be a great thing to do in your life groups this week and just say, hey, let, let's get into pairs and let's practice sharing the good news with someone who already knows the good news and so it's not intimidating. They're a friend, not a foe. And we can practice because, again, I love these words of Peter. They kind of, in a way, they haunt us though, right? If someone asks you about your hope as a believer, always be ready to explain it. We're prepared to do so many other things in life. Sorry for all the spit this morning. I don't know what, what I ate or drank. We're prepared to do so many other things in life. Are we prepared to share the most important message that could ever be shared? Do you know how to share it? It's really important that we know how to do this, guys. It's really important because Jesus says, as the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. And we need to start looking for opportunities. We're going to talk more about this over the next couple weeks. But we need to, in faith, just believe that God is going to give us opportunities to share this good news with others. First things first, though, maybe you've never really understood the gospel message for yourself. Maybe you're here this morning, and the, and the penny has finally dropped, and light bulbs finally come on, and you're going, I never really realized what this was all about. And today, you need to cross the line of faith. Maybe today, you need to bridge through Jesus Christ where you can have a restored relationship with the Father. Have you received Christ's grace? Have you asked Jesus to become the master and the leader of your life? If you haven't, you can do that this morning. In fact, I'm gonna ask you all over this room to stand to your feet. You are so loved. You're so loved. God could have just, you know, I mean, I think, about the, I think about that initial, you know, God and us, and it's just God and us on the page. And then when there's separation because of sin, God could have been like, well, sucks to be them. And then just walked away, right? I mean, think about it. If you were God, they could have just said, that's a mess. That's a disaster. He could have, he could have left us to do our thing and started with a brand new planet. But he loved us. He loved you. He loved me. And it doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter your background. I just had a guy literally send me an email yesterday. Literally yesterday. And he said, I'm too far gone. I know I can never be saved, is what he said in his email. I know I can never be saved. That's not true. It's a lie. It is a lie. You're not too far gone. 
If you're even wrestling with this question this morning, I promise you you're not too far gone or you wouldn't be wrestling at all. The fact that you're wrestling with it means you're not too far gone. No matter what you've done, no matter where you've been, no matter what's been done to you, God loves you. And he doesn't want that separation any longer. He wants you to know him and at great extravagant cost, he sent Jesus to die for us. Have you received his grace? Have you asked him to forgive you of your sins and be the master and leader of your life? Have you humbled yourself and said, God, I can't do this in my own good works. I need you. I'm gonna ask you to close your eyes this morning. And if that's you and you say, Ken, would you pray for me? Would you pray with me this morning? I need Jesus in my life. If that's you, would you just raise your hand? I wanna pray with you. Yeah, I see you. I see you. I see you. I see you. After you've raised your hand, you can lower anybody else. If you raise your hand, and here's a part of sharing the gospel that maybe, you know, we gotta, we gotta come to the place of actually praying with people. If you've raised your hand, I just wanna encourage you right now to pray a prayer like this. Jesus, I confess that I've sinned against you. I ask you to forgive me of my sins and be the master and leader of my life. I confess that you are God. You are Lord. You are crucified and you are risen. I want to spend the rest of my life following you. Father, I pray for my friends who are praying this prayer even now. God, you hear them, you see them. You love them, you know them. And as they pray this prayer with the honesty of their heart, God, you adopt them into your family. You have forgiven them of all of their sins, past, present, future. Father, I pray that they would experience your presence and your peace, even in this moment, that they would know that you are with them. We rebuke and renounce every lie of Satan that would come along saying, no, that didn't work, that's not true, God can't love you, you have, you've done too many bad things. God, we pray your truth would reverberate in their hearts and their minds. We pray these things in Jesus' name, amen. <laughs> Every week I don't expect that. I don't know why. I should have more faith. Your pastor doesn't have enough faith. Every week when I say hands go up, I'm just like, God, you're so incredible. You know, Luke chapter 15 says that when anybody comes to faith in Christ, that, that the heavens erupt with celebration. The angels erupt in celebration. It's the greatest thing that could ever happen. <laughs> Praise God. If you raised your hand a moment ago, I'm gonna ask you on your connection card, there's a place that says my next steps. And there's a place you can check that you're starting a relationship with Jesus or you're reaffirming a relationship with Jesus. Please check that in a few moments. Uh, we have some incredible greeters in the back that will be holding those white buckets. But, but before, before we dismiss, and by the way, we're just an hour into the service, okay? So hold your horses. I know some of you are like, all right, I'm gonna be the first one out of the parking lot. Carrie and I, we weren't here last week. 
Some of you were like, you weren't. It's because you weren't either, I guess. Uh, and uh, we, were, we were in Grand Rapids, Michigan, taking Kate to uh, a, a Bible college over there. And we went to a church on uh, a Sunday morning in Grand Rapids. And it's a pretty large church. And going out and into the parking lot, I was like, I have never experienced this. Their parking lot was bonkers. And I was like, no wonder people are like, I'm getting out of here first. You know, like, I want to get out of here. But here's my challenge to you this morning. I mean this with all the sincerity of my heart. If you are a follower of Jesus, and now hopefully everybody in the room is after that prayer, it's so important for us to learn how to share the gospel with confidence. And maybe you say, well, Ken, I'd never be able to share it with confidence. Just put the information inside of you, and the Holy Spirit will take care of the rest. But we have to prepare. We have to know. We have to know how to share it. He'll give at the right moment. He, I promise you, he will give you the empowerment. He will, he will help you through it. But it's your job to be prepared. You say, well, he'll just give me the right words. when I don't have to study. No, that's not how God works. He takes our preparation and then he multiplies it for his glory. And so this week, but even beyond this week, I'm telling you, find a time, schedule in your phone today. If you don't, if you don't schedule it in the next few minutes, you're gonna, by the time you get done eating your lunch, you're going to forget what this sermon was all about. So schedule a time this week to spend time either with that app or with the key points that were in your notes. And let's learn how to share the gospel. And let's believe that God is going to give us opportunities. Amen? So let me pray one more time. God, I pray over my friends, these followers of Jesus in this room. God, I pray that we would do the work. We do the work of knowing all kinds of things about all kinds of other things. God, may we do the work of knowing how to communicate the message of your gospel. And God, we're believing you that you're going to empower us. And give us opportunities to share it with others for your glory, for your namesake, for your kingdom. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you guys. We'll see you next week.